Charles Woodson, Desmond Howard, Denard Robinson, Timonga Bianca Batuka, from Yost to Arbaugh, passed down from generation to generation, Michigan football has stood the test of time. What's that feeling you get when you catch your first glimpse of the big house? When you hear, and take the field. When you see the team emerge from the tunnel, sprint across the field, and touch that famed M-Go Blue banner. Saturdays in the fall, tailgates with friends and family, favorite players, favorite teams, and unforgettable moments. A lifetime of memories. College football in 2020 may be unique, but it has arrived at the corner of Stadium and Main, which is where you can find Michael Spath and Justin Rowe sharing their analysis, their stories, and their emotions about this year's Wolverine. This is the Stadium and Main podcast. Presented by Kapnick Insurance Group, Wolverine State Brewing Company, and Lewis Jewelers. Welcome to the Stadium in Maine podcast. I am Justin Rowe, and I am joined by Michael Spath. And it is Monday, November 2nd, after the Michigan versus Michigan State game. I want to just say to all the people that are, all the people listening that are walking into their workplaces or where they, wherever they are, having to face their Spartan friends and coworkers, I am sorry. I, I'm very sorry. <laughs> I, I had to deal with it this, uh, you know, Saturday night. I was getting phone calls from all my Spartan friends. Then yesterday it was, you know, social media and text messages. So um, it, it's, been a, it's been a tough 40 hours or so since uh, the game ended on Saturday. And Mike, I know that your uh, your wife is uh, a lot nicer, but you've got to deal with some in-laws that are Spartans as well. How are you doing a, a day or so after this game? Well, Justin, you know, the, the victor goes the spoils. And I made a couple of friendly wagers uh, with some Spartan friends ex- expecting a massive victory for Michigan. In fact, I thought the fact that they were even making the bet with me um, I was like, oh, you guys don't have to. No, 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 we do it every year. It's okay. It's okay. And, you know, both of them came, uh, came after me yesterday saying like, hey, uh, you ready for your run this week and you're green and white? Uh, I've got a sweatshirt picked out for you. I've got some green, um, you know, with a little, with a little Spartan uh, shorts for you to go running. And I'm like, oh, God. But I'm, you know, I'm one of those people who if I make a bet, I don't run from a bet. Um, you know, yesterday, John, per our, per our in-house, house-divided family bets, uh, John was wearing green and white the entire day yesterday. And my in-laws came over, and my father-in-law, great guy, and, you know, doesn't, doesn't really want to rub it in too much, but he, he definitely had a little bit of fun with me uh, yesterday. And the only thing I'll say, Justin, is, like, you heard no talk from any Spartan before that game. Like, nobody was willing to back their team. Nobody was willing to say – that they had a chance, and then obviously they won, and, like, everybody came out, and everybody's talking trash now. So that's the only thing I don't like is, like, if you're if you're going to hide in a cave and then your team wins, you come out like, ha-ha, I told you guys, you guys are suckers. You know, you guys are so arrogant. It's like, well, hold on a second. You Don't, don't give me that. Like, if you were talking something to me before the game, I'm, I'm fine. I mean, I hate it, and it's awful, and I have to endure it for the next 300 and whatever something days. But I, like, you have that right to do so. 
But if you are saying nothing before the game, then I think you should be just keeping your mouth shut uh, on this on this Monday morning. But I mean, it's it's brutal, man. I mean, it's you know all the hopes and dreams. I mean, we we talked about this uh, last week. You know, after Michigan looked really good against Minnesota, and now we really kind of know that Minnesota's a fraud. That you know, there was a path to being seven and zero going into the Ohio State game. When you looked at how things were kind of breaking, I think mm-hmm. the the term that we used was the stars were aligning for Michigan with. Uh, you know, hate to see it, don't want to see it, but with like Graham Mertz being out with COVID for Wisconsin and all the things that were happening, it just looked like a really ideal situation for Michigan going into, you know, the next seven games. And now where do you find yourself, Justin? I mean, you know, again, probably a little bit too much overreaction to the Minnesota win, maybe a little bit too much overreaction to the Michigan State loss. But like, where do you find yourself when you're looking at the rest of the season for Michigan and you see flaws especially in that secondary that don't look like they're going away because Don Brown's probably not changing up his philosophy to become a zone defense. The only real strong option is just to put Daxton Hill at quarterback. But, yeah, where are you 48 hours later now thinking about the next seven games for Michigan? Well, first of all, how about just the biggest roller coaster of emotions even just two weeks into a Michigan season? right? You, you, we, our expectations were kind of tempered before the year. You know, nobody really knew what was going to happen. And all of a sudden they come out against Minnesota looking unbelievable. And all, and our expectations, like you said, are seven and zero. And that's probably on us. Let's be honest. We, we should have uh, tempered those expectations and not said, all right, you know, from watching 60 minutes of gameplay, it's all of a sudden the sky's the limit, but then we were brought right back down to the the depths of despair now. Um, and, and I'm not, I don't have any confidence going, going into the rest of the season with this football team. I mean, I, I, it's now all of a sudden four and four looks like it might be the ceiling. I don't know. I mean, you're, you're looking at this Indiana game thinking, all right, how are they going to stop their past game? Um, you're looking at Wisconsin and Penn State and then Ohio State, and that's five losses that are very, very plausible to say uh, that that could happen here going forward. So I don't have any confidence. I, I mean, honestly, as a Michigan fan, there's no reason to have any confidence. There, There's no reason to even be invested in this team anymore. It's just a constant letdown. So um, and, and what bothers me most is what, what you're – we talked about this yesterday. Why are we supposed to be so invested and be hyped up and be, you know, uh, trusted, trusting with this team when it doesn't seem like this coaching staff is reciprocating that and making any changes or doing anything that they can to win a football game? It's just stubbornness and doing the same thing over and over and not, not having the ability to change. Well, Justin, I mean, to, to go back to your, your first point, uh, you know, looking at just kind of, you know, a lack of investment in the rest of the way and, and getting your, your hopes and dreams. What, what drives me crazy, and I think what, what kills any fan base, is when you spend a off season, you spend, you know, whatever this off season was, getting so excited for a campaign. And when those dreams get squashed really early on in the year, and you go back to, 2015 Harbaugh opener, you know, first uh, Thursday night game, I think, in program history, and they lose to Utah. And and you're like, ah, so we just get started with the Harbaugh era and we start with a loss. 
and now 2016 was obviously better. 2017, you know, they lost pretty early on in the season. 2018, they lose the opener at Notre Dame when this is supposed to be. They got a five-star quarterback, and they've got, you know, this new new look offense they're going to do. Boom, first game of the year, you get hit in the face. Last year, 2019, they start off, they kind of squeak by a couple of non-conference opponents, then they go to Wisconsin and just get absolutely hammered. And you're three weeks into the season, and you're and you're and you're like, oh well, now the year's kind of gone. And here, here Michigan fans find themselves again two weeks into the season, two weeks into the season, something you've been waiting for for 41 weeks, as you told us before, and now it's just like, okay, great. So just another one of the same same type of seasons that Michigan's had for the last, you know, decade plus, where where the Big Ten is kind of. I mean, it was always going to have to go through Ohio State, but now it's like there's no margin for error. And now they've looked uh, vanilla on offense again. And, and, and that's your second point is a little bit is like they, they don't have a trust in their own team. Is is it an overreaction to go back and all of a sudden like, well, now they're going to be a four and four football team? Probably. But here's the problem with, with what Michigan has showed last week against Michigan State is that they're, this is, again, not 2010. This is not 2010. This is not a decade ago. This is college football in 2020. This is using your quarterback as a weapon. This is throwing downfield. This is throwing uh, out in space to unbelievably skilled playmakers. This is not running an offense that looks more like a pro style, where more of running in between the tackles and trying to overpower and out-physical uh, a defensive line and being stubborn when they're attacking your, your gaps uh, with, with, with linebackers blitzing and just saying, like, nope, we're going to be Michigan football, three yards in a cloud of dust. Like, I hate that term, but then you watch the game on uh, on Saturday, and I had a couple after our podcast yesterday, and I was tweeting, and I was still I was still pretty riled up as I am this, still this morning. I had a couple former offensive linemen uh, that reached out to me that were, I mean, livid, absolutely pissed off at the scheme, at the play calling, uh, there was a play. Michigan's down 20 to 17. It's the fourth quarter, early in the fourth quarter. Uh, they just, you know, got Michigan State. I think uh, stopped them for a field goal. Um, they're down, and their opening play is. I think they have some good field position, and their opening play is like in between the tackles, inside zone, and it gets stopped for like a four-yard loss, and then you just immediately put Joe Milton behind the behind the chains, second down and 14, and like that play, I, I mean. I, I couldn't defend it. Like, these, the two offensive linemen I spoke to were, like, out of their minds going, like, what the hell are these coaches doing if three-quarters into a game you have not been able to understand that, that they're still doing the same stuff? Like, Michigan State didn't change at halftime. They didn't say, hey, you know what? We think Michigan's going to adjust and we're going to come out with a different uh, plan of attack defensively. Michigan State kept up the same plan of attack for four quarters and Michigan played into it for four quarters. How idiotic is that? Like, how stubborn is that? To me, like, that says a, a coaching staff that doesn't know what they're doing. And, like, that is where we are. That's where we find Michigan six years in the Jim Harbaugh era is I'd rather be stubborn and go ahead with, like, you know, banging my head into the wall, the definition of insanity, than really, truly adjust. It's Don Brown putting this cornerbacks on the island the entire game. It's, uh, it's, it's running in between the tackles in the fourth quarter when you, when you haven't been able to do it all game long. Um, it's not using, you know, any type of edge, edge plays. It's, 
it's the same clock management issues. I mean, Justin, this is Michigan football is Groundhog Day. Absolutely same shit every single year, different day. And and that's what you that's where we find ourselves with Jim Harbaugh era. And like that's why it's gotta end because he is not willing or unable to change philosophy and to become a coach in 2020. And that's just, I mean, I'm sorry, but it's not 2010. If we're coaching football in 2010, Jim Harbaugh might be the right guy for the future of Michigan football. But what he has demonstrated over and over again is that he just can't win. He just cannot figure it out in 2020. And you know what I've, what I've noticed that he's done is over his tenure, the six years here, he just continuously backs himself into a corner. He puts, these, he puts himself in this program in a situation where they're constantly in must-win games. And they're now, again, it's – what did we say yesterday? He has to win out pretty much to save his job in, in, as far as the fan base and the media goes. And so now you're backed into another corner. And, again, yes, it's Groundhog Day. There is, th- that's the most frustrating thing is if they continue to lose – but it was something different every year, every week. It was they made the changes, but then something else came up. I could live with that because they're at least trying, right? They're attempting to, to change. They're attempting to work with it and, and make a difference. But they, there's, it doesn't seem to me like they're trying. Even Nick Saban at Alabama has changed everything about that program, and it's no longer a defensive, you know, yes, they're still pretty good on defense, but it's no longer – them winning nine to six games against LSU for the SEC title. They're now beating teams by, you know, by throwing the football and Mac Jones throwing for four touchdowns every single game. So when the best coach, you know, one of the best coaches in the, in the history of college football and Nick Saban, when he can adjust and it's working for him, then that's where I look at Jim Harbaugh and I say, Hey, you have to do the same. And I think he had, he was, he's attempted to adjust a little bit in hiring Josh Gaddis and some other things, but he's so far behind the ball already that it's too little too late. And so now you sit here six years in, and it's like, okay, you know what? His, his record, I believe, is 48-19. and 19. That is the exact same record that Bo Pelini had at Nebraska through the same amount of games. And so mm. let, let me ask Michigan fans this. Would you be okay with Bo Pelini? Or is, is that satisfactory for you? Because I guarantee you there were a lot of Michigan fans that were mocking Nebraska for where they were at when Bo Pelini was at the helm there. And now Michigan is no different. Well, the, the thing is, is that, Justin, is, is everybody wants to make Jim Harbaugh's problems solely about Ohio State. Well, he can't get over the Ohio State hump. You know, nobody in the Big Ten can get over the Ohio State hump, and that's true. Penn State's beaten them once under James Franklin. Uh, I don't believe Wisconsin's beaten them at all. Um, you know, Michigan State uh, under D'Antonio beat them, you know, that one game in 2015 that was kind of fluky in the rain and, and, and Urban Meyer didn't, you know, use his, his, his running game and uh, Ezekiel Elliott the right way and all those different things. I mean, but so nobody can beat Ohio State. But if it was solely just a Ohio State problem, it'd be one thing. But there are – multiple truckings by Penn State and Wisconsin on Jim Harbaugh's resume. Now there is this worst loss of his career, arguably, against Michigan State. 
you know, you got the loss to Iowa a couple years back in 2016 that if you don't lose that game and they lose in the way that the fashion that they did to Ohio State a week later, they're still um, playing for the college football playoff in, in 2016. There's just real the, – the, the South Carolina game after the 2017, the bowl game, was, I mean, a, a bad South Carolina football team. You know, the way that they lost to Florida uh, in the bowl game two years ago. I mean, there's more than just an Ohio State problem. He's got a big game, um, you know, rivalry. He's 3-3 three and three against Michigan State. I mean, that, that Michigan State program on, on Saturday, you know, they, they might have found something a little bit, but I bet you they finished 3-5 and five this year because they're still uh, so lacking in talent. And then that one of those wins is going to be against Michigan. It's it's bad. It's really bad. Um, and so I, I think, you know, when I on social media yesterday, and again, like I know that, that Twitter and Facebook are not – fully representative of all Michigan fans, but I'll tell you what, I've got a lot of friends that aren't on social media that were texting me too yesterday. It's, it's hard to find a, a Jim Harbaugh or Jim Harbaugh backer right now. It's hard to find someone who believes in sticking this out and, and taking it beyond, well, taking it beyond 2020. Now, Justin, you brought up some interesting, you know, conversation piece with me yesterday the Jim Harbaugh's buyout, if they get rid of him after the 2020 season, is $10 million. Seven and a half that he's owed for his contract and a couple more million that they would have to pay out on top of that. And with an athletic department in the financial state that it's in, dealing with this pandemic, I mean, is it irresponsible of Ward Manuel to get rid of Jim Harbaugh after this year and pay him $10 million on top of what he'd have to pay another football coach $5 million? I think that's going to go – I mean – I don't know about you, but like, I think that's going to be a factor in his decision-making, and it shouldn't be at all what it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, it's if Ward Manuel, you want to talk about being backed into a corner, what does he do right now? Because he has not put any pressure on Jim Harbaugh since, since Harbaugh has stepped foot in Ann Arbor, and now all of a sudden he's in a, in a point where the entire fan base has basically turned on Harbaugh, like you said, so – it's going to be – if he doesn't get rid of Harbaugh, it's going to be his job. And it might be his – he might be gone anyway, you know, at this point because the way that college football works and athletic departments work, you know, the AD and the football coach are usually a, a pair and they go and come, uh, you know, together. So, I don't know. He's in a really, really tough position because, like you said, they have – they had to, uh, to make pay cuts to nearly all the employees in the athletic department. And so – now, how does he justify to his, his employees in the athletic department, hey, I still need you guys to not be making as much money. I can't pay you that much, but I'm also going to pay Jim Harbaugh $10 million not to work here. And so, um, but at the same time, it, it's like, I, I feel like it's almost the same situation with Matt Patricia and the Lions. What are you doing what, hanging on to Matt Patricia because you know he's going to be gone at the end of the season anyway. So just get a, get a head start. For me, it, it, I feel the same way about Harbaugh. If you don't think he's going to be the guy in 2021 or 2022, then you might as well end it. I don't know about now in the middle of the season, but you might as well end it at the end of the season here so you can start the rebuild earlier than later. Um, and so – but I still – Well, don't... you know what? I think – I think there's a misconception that there's going to be this like gigantic rebuild. You're going to bring in a coach. I mean, you know, look at what look at what Urban Meyer was able to do 
um, when he took over for essentially a Jim Trestle team. Uh, look at what, you know, certainly, um, you know, Brady Hoke did with Rich Rodriguez's recruits and Jim Harbaugh did with, with, uh, with Brady Hoke's recruits. I mean, here's the thing is that if Michigan were to part ways with Jim Harbaugh after the 2020 season and someone comes in and says, well, I got to rebuild this program. Why? Why do you have to rebuild this program? You've got, and you've got a roster full of top 10 classes in college football. And depending on how many of your recruits you can hang on to, You've got a top five class in the 2021 rankings. If you can convince J.J. McCarthy to stay put and Xavier Worthy to stay put and a lot of these guys to stay put, you've got a roster that's essentially one of the top ten rosters in college football going into 2021. And there's no reason with the right coach that that should change. You don't have to – I really disagree with the idea that, like, someone comes in and has to blow this whole thing up because they have the athletes – Unless you were to go backwards in time and hire someone that wants to do a pro-style offense, you're going to have all the athletes you need, including a big-armed, mobile, athletic quarterback, to run a spread, to run the things that you want to do. You're going to have um, athletic, you know, physical, strong, fast, front-seven players. So I, I just completely dismiss the idea that if you go out there and hire someone, it's going to be this massive rebuild for Michigan football. Look, Justin, I mean, like, it doesn't make a difference. Uh, I always I always bristle at this idea that, um, you know, people are so worried about moving on from a coach because they're worried about losing a recruit or a recruiting class. It is far more important to have the right coaching staff in place because if you don't have the right coaching staff in place, then you're wasting. You're absolutely wasting your talent that you are bringing in. And a, a, a program is bigger than any individual recruit. It's bigger than J.J. McCarthy. It's bigger than Xavier Worthy. You need the right coaching staff in place. We've watched this Michigan coaching staff essentially going back to 2016, waste its quarterback play, unable to develop these guys. And so, I mean, people are like, well, they can't lose J.J. McCarthy. You've got to keep Harbaugh around. But why? Why do you have to keep Harbaugh around just to keep J.J. McCarthy? Because he might be the next difference maker. That's what Joe Milton is supposed to be. That's what Shea Patterson was supposed to be. No, you, you find the right coach, and then if you find the right coach, then you can develop and use the right, any, any the quarterback. If they lose McCarthy, but they get the great coach, the guy that's going to take them to championships, that is a good trade-off for Michigan and for Michigan fans. And so, and, and here's the thing is they don't, might not even lose J.J. McCarthy if they were to move on from Harbaugh because someone could come in and say, hey, I still want you to be the guy. You know, and honestly – where's J.J. McCarthy's loyalty lie? Does it lie to Michigan or does it lie to Harbaugh? Because if it lies to Harbaugh, I'm not sure why. What has he done? What has he shown you over the last couple of years? What has he shown you in the first two games of this season where you're saying to yourself, damn, if I go play for him, I'm going to be one of the best quarterbacks in college football. So I would not worry about, hey, if I get rid of Harbaugh, I'm going to lose J.J. McCarthy or I'm going to lose this recruiting class. You get the coach, the right coach, and then the recruiting will take care of itself. And, you know, we've actually talked about this before, but the inside scoop inside Schembechler is that a lot of these five-star guys don't really like Harbaugh that much anyways. So I, I think that the top-tier guys that you're talking about, these big recruits or these are top-level players at Michigan, they, they are not huge Harbaugh fans. So it's not going to be like, oh, I'm, if he's gone, I'm gone. But I, I do think some people will – 
there's not it's not going to be a hundred percent retention obviously um because some guys do trust in harbaugh I, i've seen it on you know i think xavier worthy actually said it on social media yesterday um and, and some guys just don't want to go through through a rebuild if you know even though you say that it's not the case that they don't have to be go through a rebuild um there there's going to be at least a little period there where there's going to be some uncertainty so, Justin, I got to give mad props to my former colleague at WTK and inside the huddle, Zach Shaw, who yesterday in some blustery conditions here in southeast Michigan with wind, uh, wind gusts up to 50 miles per hour, it was in your face, it was cold, it actually snowed um, in Royal Oak and I believe in Ann Arbor too where he was running. Um, you know, it didn't stick to the ground, but it was hitting you in the face. And Zach made a goal in 2020 to run a marathon. Uh, he wanted to run it, obviously, with everybody else, but he ran a virtual marathon, 26.2 miles. Uh, so congratulations to my colleague, Zach Shaw. And to thank, to, 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 to give him some kudos from the whole thing, um, you know, I, I, he, someone on Twitter said, hey, you know, you got to reward him with some food. And so I called up our friends at the Wolverine State Brewing Company. I know that Zach is a gigantic fan of theirs and loves their nachos. We've talked about their nachos before um, and their great beer selection. And so... Uh, I, I ordered Zach some uh, some nachos and a four pack of their massacre beer uh, to to congratulate him and you know and 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 it was funny because I went for a run on uh, Saturday morning too and and I think when you go for when you go for a run when you work out when you do anything like that you know you kind of want to reward yourself and to me there's nothing better than rewarding yourself with some good uh, really good pub food um, brewery pub food and our friends at Wolverine State Brewing Company have an outstanding menu. Nate Fritz, who we've had on this uh, on this podcast, is always changing it up. Great beer selection. They, uh, you know, tapped to a couple more Oktoberfest just recently. They've got their massacre. Uh, my favorite beer, the smoked beer, uh, the Raucher, Raucher is coming uh, very soon here. So check out that menu at WolverineBeer.com. Uh, it would be great to, to do carryout uh, this week and support them. And, um, you know, I think that this week is supposed to be really nice. And so maybe the last nice week of the year here in Southeast Michigan. And so, uh, you know, happy hour, um, you know, maybe get in there early on. They open up at uh, 3 p.m., uh, get in there and enjoy some outdoor uh, living, outdoor space uh, at Wolverine State Brewing Company on Stadium Boulevard there. And uh, and just, um, yeah, they're, they're good supporters of the show, so really appreciate them. Also appreciate Kaepernick Insurance Group uh, and uh, Lewis Jewelers, our sponsors here for Stadium and Main Podcast. So I think what, what fans are really worried about, though, is they're worried about if they move on from Jim Harbaugh, is it going to be like moving on from Lloyd Carr? And I think that's a little bit justified because there was an eight-year stretch between Rich Rod and Brady Hoke where Michigan was a lot worse than where they are right now. And so if we're all di so dissatisfied with – where this Michigan football program is right now, and I think that 90% of, of fans are, I, I don't think – I think people are very nervous to go through another eight-year stretch or whatever, you know, how many years stretch that you want to say if there is a rebuild and the next guy doesn't work out. And, and that's where, you know, I think that myself included, I had always been on the, on the boat of the grass isn't always greener. And I know that you're, you're very much against that. You don't want to worry about the next guy um, if this guy is not working out. But uh, now you're to a point where, like you said, it's the same shit every single year. So it, it, there's been no, no movement to, to change. There's been no 
forward progression here. It, it, there's no – this program is in, in, in a worse spot than it was when – after the 2015 season, in my opinion. So now you're moving backwards, and, again, your rival – your record against the rivals is that bad. And Michigan fans won't put up with going 3-3 three and three against Michigan State, especially when all three of those games, all three of those losses are at home. And you were just a 25-point favorite, a 25-point favorite. So that's where it's like, okay, if, if these games were being lost uh, in a competitive manner, that's different. But Jim Harbaugh goes out there and he, name one game that he wasn't supposed to win that he's won. I can't name one out there. There's maybe a couple sprinkled in, but there are very few games that Jim Harbaugh has been not favored in and that he's won. And then he's lost a lot of games that he's not or that he's supposed to win as well. So that's where it gets frustrating. There's no, this team, this program has not overachieved in any manner. And that's where Mark D'Antonio came out year after year and overachieved. And a lot of people will say, oh, well, half of that is Michigan's expectations are way too high for where the program actually is. Yes, I believe that's true, but you still have to outdo what people expect of you sometimes in order to be a great coach in 2020. Well, I mean, you just have to do what's expected of you at some point. I don't even need it. He needs to overachieve. I mean, just achieve at the level mm-hmm. that you were brought in here to, to coach at. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, own six against Michigan state and Ohio state at the big house. Uh, double-digit, you know, point favorite against Michigan State in 2017 and 2020 uh, and, and loses those games. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty remarkable. It, it's, it's pretty remarkable that, as you said, the program has taken a step back. I think everybody is so incredibly afraid of the next Rich Rod that that is their best justification for keeping Harbaugh. Hey, it's better than 2008 to 2010, or it's better than the 2014 season underneath Brady Hogue. Look, the fact of the matter is, is that any coach that they bring in here is not going to be as accomplished or as a big of a name as Jim Harbaugh, and that's okay. The chances of that guy not being able to put together a program that can beat Rutgers and Maryland and Indiana and Purdue are extremely slim. Michigan is Michigan. Michigan has resources. Michigan has tradition. Michigan can recruit on a national level. That's always going to put you in a position where you're going to be more talented. Even Rich Rod and Brady Hoke's teams were more talented than seven of the eight teams that they would play in the Big Ten any given year. It's just that, you know, for Rich Rod, he came in and tried to blow up an entire system and start all over again like he was building the foundation of a program. He didn't need to do that. Brady Hoke was overmatched. I get that. And everybody is so afraid of, like, well, you know, you're never going to do better than Harbaugh. You're never going to do better than Harbaugh. He is, you know, if, if Harbaugh can't win here, who can? And that is such a stupid, stupid philosophy because it really doesn't mean anything. Like, look how many times in the NFL co- uh, teams move on from coaches until they find the right guy and the right fit who is going to be successful. San Francisco went through, I don't know, four or five coaches until they found Jim Harbaugh. Then they went through three or four more coaches until they found Shanahan. And then they were able to go to a Super Bowl. You know, like look at the franchises. Now there's the bumbling idiots that are the Detroit Lions who can never get it right. But the New Orleans Saints went through multiple coaches until they found the right guy. You know, you cannot be afraid of, well, this is the best that we can ever do. 
Because here's the thing. Everybody's like so concerned about who's the next coach of Michigan football. Give me the realistic names and all that. But every year you've got young up-and-comers. Like, who is, the, who is the guy five years from now? You can't tell me right now. But five years from now, someone is going to be rising up as an offensive coordinator, as a young head coach that is the next big thing. And that's what Michigan's got to figure out. It's not about going out there and getting the biggest name, getting Sean Payton like I've heard or, or Bob Stoops like I've heard. You're not going to go out there and get a bigger name than Harbaugh. What you've got to go out there and do is you've got to go out there and discover who is the next great football coach. Who is the guy who with the right opportunity is going to take off? And here's what I would do as Ward Manual because everybody always asks, well, who is your name? Who's your name? If you don't have a name for me, then shut up. No, here's what you do. If I had the access that Ward Manual has, if I had the power and the leverage, here's what I would do. I would call up Nick Saban. I would call up Dabo Sweeney. I would call up Urban Meyer. I would call up Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, and Sean Payton, and anybody else that's a great, great football coach. And I would say, guys, I want to pick your brain. I want you to tell me. I would call John Harbaugh from the Baltimore Ravens and say, over the last five years or so, you've worked with coaches, you've seen coaches. Who do you think is an up-and-comer that with the right opportunity and the right resources is the next star in football? Who do you bank on? Who, is, who should be a head coach at the University of Michigan? I would listen to the smartest minds in football and say, who you got for me? Because those coaches that have won at the highest level, they know what it takes to get there. And they're going to have a really good idea. And you put all those guys together, and maybe, hopefully, they give you a couple of names that are all that all of them are agreeing on, and that's who you go out and you hire as the next football coach at the University of Michigan because that guy has the endorsement of the best coaches in football. That's what I would do if I was Ward Manuel. And for, for me to sit here and say, for someone to say, like, well, give me a name, give me a name, you give me Ward Manuel's access and let me go ask those coaches, and I'll give you 15 names. Yeah, and if I'm Ward Manuel too, I honestly think that the best-case scenario for Michigan right now is a guy who has absolutely zero connections to the university. You know, it's always been about getting a Michigan man, and having the Michigan man has just brought on all these expectations of, you know, bringing back the tradition of Bo Schembechler and all this stuff, and that is just not working. It hasn't. It didn't work for Brady Hoke, and now has not worked for Jim Harbaugh because – He's not even to the traditions of Bo Schembechler Schembechler anymore because he's had to pivot, and that's not what football is in 2020. So I want somebody who can bring in their own mindset, change up this attitude of this program because the attitude is so poor right now that it is is really hurting this program. And so I want somebody with no connections to the University of Michigan – I would rather have I would rather not have the big name because those expectations aren't there. So let's start with the lower expectations and get to a point where hey, let's be realistic in year 1 or in year 2 instead of when Jim Harbaugh was hired, it was national championship or bust within the first 3 years and it's just not realistic to be there. And so um I, that's where I'm at and I and that's where I think Ward Manuel's head should be at is let me like I'm in 100% agreement with what you you're talking about. Go get a guy who you think is right for this program. Don't go get a guy that you think is a great hire that this fan base will like. You know, it's not about the name at this point. 
It's about who's going to get the job done for you. And how many people, like, I think you said this yesterday, Dabo Sweeney was not a household name until he was, right? Until he became that at Clemson. Lincoln Riley was the same way at Oklahoma. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about the Joe Brady's of the world. Go get Joe Brady and have him come in and institute a mindset, institute a, a brand new offense, institute all this stuff at Michigan where it's going to set themselves up for few, uh, success in the future and not just appease a fan base and say, oh, yeah, let's go get uh, Sean Payton because he is, has had success in the past and he's a big name. No, it's not going to work like that because then you're just going to end up paying $8 million again to a guy who – probably has too high of expectations and will never reach them. Yeah, I mean, the, the offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator, more so offense because offensive coordinators are, you know, and offensive coaches uh, are, are, the, are the norm and are the, um, you know, kind of the trend in college football. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, Ryan Day was not a head coach. Ohio State picked a successor, obviously, but they picked an assistant coach. To take off, uh, to take over after Urban Meyer, Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma uh, was an assistant coach. You know, everybody wants to point to, to Dabo Sweeney. I mean, as a position coach. I mean, let's let's stop comparing Michigan to Dabo Sweeney. It took seven years for Clemson to get over it. Like, this is not where Michigan is headed. So, I think you can't be afraid to take a chance on who you think is going to be the next superstar. That's what Ward Manuel did with uh, the basketball coaching search. <clears throat> John Beeline retires. We were looking at some of the names. I mean, Shaka Smart was out there, a, a guy with a, a somewhat proven track record. Ed Cooley from, uh, from, from Providence was a name that was uh, bandied about. I mean, they were, looking at, they were looking at head coaches with more proven pres- uh, resumes. And what did Ward Manuel do? He hired Juwan Howard. Why did he hire Juwan Howard? Eh, probably because he had some, the, the Fab Five and the whole thing. But he hired him because he looked at him and said, this is a guy who everybody's telling me is going to be a, the next great head coach whether it's in the nba or in college and i'm going to take i'm going to be the guy that takes a chance on him i'm going to be the guy who says i'm going to believe in this guy's future at michigan and that the next 10 years he's going to find his way to be a big 10 champion national championship type coach so if they did it for for that sport why can't you do it for football and again everybody's going to freak because you give up jim harbaugh you need no you don't need that what you need is and i i agree like joe brady the former offensive coordinator from lsu uh, got hired by the carolina uh, panthers you know is that a is that a is that kind of an outside the box is that a little bit of a gamble yeah but why not go down there why not go get him you know let's see what he i mean he absolutely revolutionized and took that lsu offense to new heights we're looking at what they're struggling right now this got pounded by Auburn. Joe Brady was a guy that got the very best out of Joe Burrow. Why not you give him a, sh- a, a shot? Let him be the head coach of Michigan. He's a young guy, sure. But those are the type of things that you've got to do now in college football because the big name established names are not out there. So I'm with you, Justin. I don't think you can be afraid of moving on from Jim Harbaugh. And let's finish up with this is, you know, I, I do think the fan base, I mean, I asked this question yesterday, what do you have to do to, to get back? And I think we talked about this a little bit with Will Heininger. What has to happen for you to get back on the Jim Harbaugh bandwagon? Let me ask you, how do you think the rest of the season plays out? What does it look like for Michigan the rest of the season, including when you get to uh, that, that you know, second, third week of December, uh, Ohio State and the, the extra game? 
You know, do you do you expect a four and four or a five and three and Michigan moving on from Jim Harbaugh? Like, where do you where is this program come January first, two thousand twenty one? Well, you know, one thing that I raved about with Michigan after the Minnesota game was they looked prepared. They looked like they were really – it was a brand-new team, brand-new brand new mentality. In this big game, they were coming out and fighting. And then that was completely opposite this past week. And so, for me, as I've looked at the past years when, you know, they, they've come out flat against Penn State. They've even come out flat against Northwestern until Shea Patterson had to lead a comeback. And so – this team, the mentality of, of this program at this at this point is when things start going bad, everyone kind of just throws in the towel. And I'm sorry, but you talked about Groundhog Day. What reason do I have to think that this team is going to show fight for the rest of the year? I think that this at this point, you know, how, how do, especially in a, in a you know, unique situation that they're in right now with the pandemic and a shortened season and guys already maybe opting out, I think that there's there's really no trust. I have no trust that Jim Harbaugh is going to regain this locker room, and I have no idea if he's lost the locker room or if how guys are feeling. Honestly, we know how some of the alums are feeling, and I imagine that some of the players are feeling the same way. Um, so I have no trust that this that this program for the rest of the year is going to show a bunch of fight. And that's what I said yesterday was uh, in order for me to look at this as a successful season. I need to see them fight for the rest of the year. But I, I don't know how you can, you can say that with a straight face and say, yes, I believe this team will fight for the rest of the year. So when, what I see going on for, for the remainder of this season is if they get down to Wisconsin early, it's going to be pack it in. We're not that good of a football team. I don't know. Same thing with Penn State. Same thing even with Indiana maybe this weekend. You know, if, if all of a sudden they get, go down 7 nothing in the first quarter or 14 nothing, whatever it is, I, I just don't see them being able to, to um, respond, like I said yesterday, when they get punched in the mouth. Are you feeling the same way, or do you have a, any, any type of confidence going forward? So I, I disagree with you a little bit that they don't bounce back. I mean, you know, we, we've seen essentially – um, you know, if you look at 2017, even, uh, you know, they suffer a loss. They come back and win a game. 2018, they lose to Notre Dame on the road. Um, you know, then they, then they ran the table until they got to Ohio State. 2019, um, they got beat pretty bad by Wisconsin. Uh, they came back. They showed fight against Penn State. So I, I think it's – I don't think that they haven't shown fight when, they, when, they've, been, when they've been punched in the mouth. They haven't, they haven't shown fight when they've been punched in the mouth in a game. Uh, but the following week, he does seem to be able to rally his guys. I'm very curious about this Indiana game because Indiana 2-0, they're playing better football. I mean, the 30-year the streak or the 40-year streak that Michigan has beaten Indiana, they're due to, to, to take down Michigan at some point. Like, what is, you know, how stubborn is Michigan? If they come out and they have the game plan that they did against Minnesota, they, they work the edges of the field, uh, they get the ball down the field, uh, they get the ball to, to playmakers in space. Like, I think Michigan will be fine in this game, and it won't be until Wisconsin, maybe, or Penn State, um, or certainly Ohio State, until you see Michigan have another, you know, one of these games that they just had against Michigan State. But if they come out and, and they don't look good, then to your, 
you know, your, your comment about the locker room and the lack of leadership and the concern about Michigan football, uh, I do think could play out. If, if they lose this game against Indiana, I think they're in deep, deep trouble. Uh, and I think it will just further signal that, that Jim Harbaugh, you know, is not the guy. Do I expect Michigan football to move on from Jim Harbaugh after the 2020 season? Only if an NFL team comes calling and takes him off of Michigan's hands, because I don't think Ward Manuel um, is going to, I, I, I think his, he's, he's tied at the hip to Jim. And I think he is, he, he's like, nope, I'm not going to be the guy who fires Jim Harbaugh. I'm just not, I'm not going to be the guy that fires Jim Harbaugh and pays him 10 million bucks. But I'm just not going to be the guy who gets rid of Jim Harbaugh and says, I cast out uh, the favored son. I don't think he has the gumption to do that. Uh, and so it's just, to me, it's just not going to happen. So I, I think if, unless there is a, it's a four and four um, and, and it's just so utterly bad that you've lost, uh, you, you've just lost all confidence from everybody in the program. I see Jim Harbaugh coming back in 2021. Now, I think what we're all in agreement with is this contract, this seven-year deal, uh, there's no way you can extend it. In fact, if, if Ward Manuel extends his contract, then you, he should be fired on the spot. Like the day that he extends it, fired right then. Um, because that is, that is poor, uh, you know, that is an absolute failure as an athletic director. Um, but I think that's what's, what's going to happen. And I, and I said this in a tweet. I don't think he's going anywhere after this year unless he chooses to leave or an NFL team comes calling and gets him. Um, and so I, I think it's going to be more of the same. It's going to be more frustration. And unfortunately, it's going to be more of Michigan football Groundhog Day going forward in 2020 and probably 2021. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't disagree. I, I don't see this. I don't see that Ward Manuel will have the guts to do anything to make a move here um, because he hasn't shown it yet. But in my opinion, go out and get that Juwan Howard and, and you can, you can uh, build that staff around him like Juwan Howard has. Juwan didn't have the experience, but he, he built a staff around him that – said, all right, I've got guys that have experience. And so um, I think that should be the move, but I still don't believe it will. And, and I'll make one last comment here about Harbaugh and this team moving forward for the rest of this season. It's a lot of football teams have the personality of their head coach. And right now, Jim Harbaugh looks like he's thrown in the towel. He looks like he's given up. And that's what we talked about. We, we don't see any fight. We don't see any, any fire from him on the sideline. It looks like he's complacent. He's given up. And to me, that's what this football team looks like on the sideline too. We didn't see any, any like everyone getting hyped, even, even in a, in a tight football game, it was like, you know what guys, we should be beating them. So I don't, this, I don't know why we're here right now. And that's what it looks like, and to me, that is so unacceptable for a uh, program like Michigan. Well, it'll be the rest of the week here coming up. Uh, we'll be back on uh, Thursday. Uh, we'll talk to Reuben Riley, um, former Michigan offensive lineman, get his thoughts. I mean, he's got to be incredibly disappointed, although his team, his high school team, uh, Grand Rapids Christian, uh, won over the weekend, so he's got to be excited about that. We'll also uh, look ahead, obviously, to the Michigan-Indiana game on Saturday, noon start. Um, yeah, I mean, how long will this hangover last? Uh, will it continue on through the week? I mean, what has to happen for, for Michigan, for Michigan fans to, to get past it? Is it going to, you know, is it uh, just a victory over Indiana? Does it take a victory over Indiana and Wisconsin? Or can they get over this hangover at all 
because you lose to a rival that you have no business losing to, uh, one of the arguably worst Michigan State teams in the last 15 years. Um, no joke about that. And so can you get over that any other way than, than winning out and beating Ohio State and going to the Big Ten Championship? Probably not. And so for the next however many long weeks, I think there's going to be this black cloud that unfortunately hangs uh, over, over Michigan football and Michigan fans. Um, you know, you're going to be walking, walking around. It's just kind of, kind of be a little rain shower uh, over your shoulder, which, which just really sucks, which just really sucks two weeks into the season and to have this type of mood and this type of attitude and be this disappointed uh, in your program and, and in the future of it. So uh, well, we'll have other episodes coming up this week. Appreciate you uh, listening. You can follow me at, on Twitter, Michael Spath, ITH, Justin Rowe, 92. Uh, like us on, on Twitter at Stadium Main Pod. Uh, subscribe wherever you, your Apple, Google, Spotify. Um, and if you, you know, if you like this pod and you want to don- uh, donate, there's an opportunity on there to, to, uh, to you know, click, you know, uh, 99 cents a month. I think it's 4.99 a month, 9.99 a month. We use that to pay our guests like Ruben Riley. Uh, and uh, Will Heininger, uh, that's where that, uh, that money goes. So uh, thank you very much for, for listening again. And I don't know, Justin, will you, do you think by Thursday you'll be able to turn the page? I mean, right now there's a sense of morose. I'm still kind of, ah, I'm still pissed. I'm still angry. I'm still, and, and, and you know, it'll, it, mostly at Jim Harbaugh and mostly at just the program overall, not at any individual kid. I'm not disappointed with Joe Milton. I'm not mad at any of these players. Uh, that'd be a selfish take for me. Um, but I'm just frustrated and disappointed that Jim Harbaugh, this is where we are two games into year six and that he's just not the guy that we thought he was. And so I'm just kind of, you know, how long is that going to last? Is it going to last? I mean, by Thursday or Friday, am I excited for the game? I, I really don't think so. I really don't think so. I think it's going to take a lot more than that. I think this is kind of be going to be a little bit of a sleepwalk type of season. I don't know about you, but like, that's how I feel like I'm just going to be going through the motions week after week. And the only way that it changes for me is if they run the table here and they pull an upset in Ohio State. That's the only way that I can envision myself getting hyped for this program again uh, here in 2020. Yeah, it feels like this week is, you know, it's only, it's only Monday morning and it feels like it's already been a long week. And uh, I think it's not going not gonna to go any quicker as the days move on. And I'm just hoping that Saturday comes and they play well to at least help with that hangover. But still, it's going to be like, all right, even if they beat Mich- or Indiana, um, you're still thinking about this game, especially if Michigan State comes out for the rest of the year and doesn't play well, because then it's going to even it'll hurt even more. Um, so and and of course, now we have to face all the all of our Spartan friends and coworkers for, like you said, 350 days or whatever until next year. Um, so. Yeah, it's not gonna it's not gonna be a fun year. I don't think it's gonna be tough to to go through it. But even you know when you say, oh yeah, it, it'll be better if they run the table. Well, if it's Groundhog Day truly, then they could run the table through uh, through week seven, and then we get to week eight, and the inevitable happens when uh, when Michigan goes to Columbus. So um, it's tough to think anything different at this point, but. Um, that's where I'm at. That's where you're at. Things aren't looking too bright in Ann Arbor right now. Um, hopefully they, they make a move and, and, uh, and things turn around, but thank you to everyone listening and we will see you all on Thursday. This is the stadium and main podcast presented by Kapnick insurance group, Wolverine state brewing company and Lewis jewelers.